Welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio, a bi-weekly podcast devoted to examining successful marketing strategies driving new business development at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. In every episode, you'll find actionable takeaways that you can implement immediately. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business, a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I am joined by Jason Myers, Strategic Accounts Lead at FlightPath. Jason works with companies to create digital marketing campaigns that create experience and drive demand. He was the founder of Business District Magazine and Texas CEO Magazine in Austin, Texas, where he created innovative roundtable models to generate revenue beyond advertising. Jason is also a swing jazz piano enthusiast. Jason, welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. Thank you. All right. So the thing that I wanted to talk about was that you have this real vision of reframing marketing, not just as building brands and driving awareness, but really making it part of the sales process, really driving sales through marketing. Why, you know, why do you frame marketing this way? What's the, the benefit of rethinking how we place marketing within the, within the, the company? I think it's, a, and it's an important distinction to start by understanding that we are talking about business-to-business companies as opposed to business-to-consumer, which most law firms fit into uh, business-to-business, right? Consumer is a much different piece. Branding is, is still appropriate there. A lot of the bigger companies have the budget to do that. Brand recognition is, is important. But in the B2B space, it's really all about lead generation. And it's lead generation first and branding as a component or a second component of a content marketing strategy. So what does that mean? It means that B2B companies have to use their web properties to try and replace the conversations that salespeople, or in this case, attorneys used to be able to get on their own by just networking or picking up the phone and calling uh, prospects. Nobody wants to talk to you anymore as a salesperson until they're ready. And the problem is, in a lot of cases, people don't know that they're ready until they've been educated that they have a problem that needs solving. And so if you can't call them up and diagnose pain issues, they won't talk to you. How do you get in front of them? And, and how do you get them to identify that they have a problem that might be worth talking about a solution? And the answer to that is content. You have to put content out there for them to find. And if you're not doing that, you're missing out on opportunities. So companies spend are still spending a lot of money on branding, like advertising and and things that improve their brand image. But that doesn't get salespeople in the door anymore. It used to be enough. It's not now. And so if you're spending a lot of money as a B2B company trying to work on your brand, then you're wasting money. You should be funneling that into some sort of lead generation mechanism that allows you to collect information on prospects to identify or figure out what makes sense to have a conversation around. We sort of foreshadowed most of our conversation in that answer, which is, which is great. Could you go a little bit deeper in the changing landscape for salespeople? I know we've talked, uh, we've had various conversations about the changing landscape of how 
buyers of services or buyers of goods are approaching their purchasing process differently and what that means for salespeople. Could you, could you go into that a little bit? Absolutely. So I like to use the example of even as simple as going to Best Buy. 10 years ago or before that, if I was going to buy a new TV, I would go to Best Buy and shop around and look and see what's available, maybe talk to a salesperson there and get their feedback on what the best products were based on the pricing. Today, I don't do that. I start with a web search and and I'm going to check out reviews. I'm going to check out uh, documentation about the products. I'm going to look at pricing. I'm looking to look at and see where these things are priced in, in comparison to others. And then, and only then, do I go to Best Buy. And when I go there, I really don't want to talk to a salesperson because I'm already educated on what's going on. So the best that a salesperson can do in that instance is point me in the direction of, of a TV that I've already done my research on. Or maybe they can also, if they're knowledgeable, they can steer me in a direction that I might not have thought of. But that's it. But the point is that I'm not ready to talk to a salesperson until I'm ready to buy. And the same thing happens in every industry. People start their research online. If they have a problem, they start looking for solutions. And so that usually means a Google search or they start going to uh, websites and downloading white papers or listening to webinars. That's a lot harder when you have people that have a problem, but they don't know that they have a problem. So you have to educate them. And the only way to do that without getting in front of them is to put out blogs and put out webinars and, and white papers and get them to download it so that we identify what's going on. Now, the, the problem in the changing landscape is that this affects salespeople big time. They can't get in front of as many prospects. It used to be that as a salesperson, you know, I could go down a list and start making cold calls. And I never liked making cold calls, but they were predictable. And I could get a fair amount of appointments through that. Now, today, it's not like I can't still get people on the phone. I can. But it's much more difficult to try to get them into sales conversations. They're just not ready. So instead, we have to kind of reframe our approach. And that approach is, how can I be helpful? In other words, when I reach out to somebody on the phone, my issue is like, how can we help you in uh, furthering your digital marketing efforts or furthering whatever it is that you're calling about? And then assist them with, hopefully, with some content that you've developed that, that shelters them through the buying process so that they realize, oh, yeah, we definitely have that problem. Uh, let's talk about that or let's have a deep dive conversation. That's what you're trying to get to. Does that landscape look the same for any industry or any size company in this space? I mean, I, clearly the, the, the audience here are, are law firms and, you know, small to mid-sized firms and a few larger firms. Does it, does it work for the same for, say, a solo attorney the way it would for an AmLaw 100 firm? Sure. It just comes down to a resource issue. But the thought is the same. Whether you're producing content every day, like you're producing blogs every day, which the bigger companies probably do, or you're producing maybe one blog post a month. The issue is the same. You put out a blog, you link that blog to like a, 
a CTA button to a white paper where we can collect their information. So we want their email address so that we know who they are. And then once they download that white paper, we have an idea of what they're interested in. Now, when you're designing a content strategy, the biggest realization that people have to understand is that nobody cares about you. They don't. They don't care about your products. They don't care about your services. They don't care about you or what you've done. They only care about, I have a problem that needs solving. That's why I'm downloading this white paper, because you've identified a potential problem that I have. And if you've got a solution, I'm all ears. So when you design a content strategy, it's not about you. It's about problems that your prospects have, typically, and what some of the solutions are. Now, the great thing about that is that when you identify some of those potential pain points, we call them, when somebody downloads that white paper, you now have some intelligence. You know who they are and you have an indication about what's going on. So now if you were to pick up the phone, you could say, hey, I noticed you downloaded my white paper on XYZ topic. I've got some more information on that. How can I help you solve this problem? So when you're putting that framework together, when you're creating the strategy, what are, some of the, what are some of the parts of that process? What's important to consider in terms of who you're going to reach and what kind of content's going to reach them effectively? The most important thing is to understand your buyer. You know, this gets talked about a lot, you know, buyer personas, buyer journey and all that kind of stuff. And it tends to get washed over because it's an overused term. But the point is that we cannot understand enough about our buyers. So the first place to start is who's bought from you in the past and really why did they buy from you? What problem were they have? Where were they sitting at their desk every day thinking, I've got this big problem, I need to solve it and I need to find a solution now. That's the basis of your entire content strategy. Once you can figure out why it is that people will take action to solve a problem is your content strategy. And so when we go to figure out how to develop content for a customer, that's where we start. Now, in a lot of cases, law firms are a little different because they don't usually have sales forces. The lawyers themselves are. But still, they understand why people come to them, right? If you have a bigger company with a sales force, sales force is a good place to start because they're talking to the clients every day or they're talking to the prospects. They understand what the issues are. They know what the objections are. They know what gets people engaged in conversations to solve a problem and what doesn't. Again, that's where marketing has to be aligned with that sales process. So marketing's job in B2B is to develop a content strategy that helps people identify prospects that have those pain points so that we can get involved in sales conversations that are qualified. And that's true whether it's a salesperson or whether it's an attorney that's making that outreach. It's the same for a 500 sales company down to the singular attorney. If you're out there selling, you're networking, it's the same process. It's, it's kind of a good point. When you're out at a networking event and you're, you're talking to somebody and you're probing for pain points or potential to see, or you're trying to qualify that person to see if they're potentially a customer, you're asking questions. And it's not about you. It's about, do they have any problems that, uh, that you think that you can solve? 
The difference is, is that in person, I can shift that conversation based on what I'm finding. So like, oh, well, you don't have that pain point. So I'll move on to the next one and see and keep probing. Well, you don't have that opportunity in digital. It's like you've got one shot. And so big mistake companies make on their websites and blogs and all that kind of stuff is to try to cover way too much information where they should be focusing on one thing. Like, so if you do one blog post on a niche topic, here's a problem, get that out there. People don't respond to it. Fine. They don't have that problem. Big deal. Maybe somebody does, they download it and then you've identified a lead. So content marketing is all about getting very specific. Uh, I've had uh, some people tell me that it's a good idea to have somebody in mind, like have one of the buyers that's already bought from you in mind when you write a blog post and write a letter specifically to that person about how to solve their problem. And that's a good basis for writing a blog. That's an easy thing that most attorneys could probably pull off. So shifting here a little bit, once we've sort of identified who we're trying to reach and what kind of content is probably going to be effective for them, how do you look at platforms? Or plat- is it important to really consider the platform or is it sort of a matter of choosing one and going with it? Well, that's a difficult answer and it, and it depends a lot on budget and where your people hang out or where your prospects potentially hang out. And honestly, what we call it is content distribution, like your distribution strategy. So it's a different piece. I would say that the best method of distribution is to build up an audience of email addresses and continue to communicate with them on an ongoing basis. That's still the best way. Uh, But if you don't have a lot of email addresses, you have to go out there and get them. So that looks many different ways. So some industries, you can advertise for it uh, on Google. If it's too competitive, then you need to develop a content strategy around niche topics that are going to resonate on Google where you can be up in the first couple placements on the first page. That's a very difficult proposition unless you are writing stuff that is very niche based. There's not a lot of stuff out there to compete with. And it's definitely a problem that people have. Beyond that, it's about, you know, installing a marketing automation system of some type like a HubSpot or Marketo. A lot of law firms I've talked to actually use HubSpot. It's probably fine for for what they're doing uh, because it has a CRM attached to it and it's and it's fairly intuitive to figure out and it allows allows you to do kind of sequences of emails and and set up things that are that are automatic in terms of nurturing that's really important but you also have to have content to fuel those systems or they if you if you buy those systems and they let stay dormant on the shelf they're not going to help you so in a lot of cases this is not an inexpensive proposition but for most B2B companies, I don't think you have another choice. It's not, you're not going to advertise your way out of it. You're not going to network your way out of it. Uh, you have to do these things in conjunction with all those things. You're not going to go to a trade show and get a ton of leads that are going to fuel your quota for the next year. You mentioned in there, you know, having a relationship to a CRM, which I think brings us to sort of mapping this content strategy to the sales process, how important is it to actually tie the two together to really make sure that the content you're producing is going to help the sales force, whether it's a sales force or the attorneys themselves, 
to really connect with their potential clients? It's critical. And it's critical because what I want to avoid is going down a list and calling people without having any information on them. So what the CRM does in conjunction with a marketing automation system is it allows me to look at somebody's lead record, to call it. They have their name and their contact information and all that, but that's just demographic information. I want to know, I want some intelligence on those leads. What have they been clicking on? What web pages have they been viewing? And so that if I'm going to try to engage with that customer, I want to know if there's been any interactions, what topics they may be interested in, and where I can use a possible hook to try to get them on the phone. So not having a CRM system, you're, you're missing out on that complete opportunity to figure out digital intelligence or you know, digital behavior on, on those customers. I mean, in doing that also, is it, is it important to have metrics by which you want to measure all of this? I mean, at what point does that come in? Is that part of tying to the sales process in terms of generating a certain number of leads or adding X amount of information to these lead records? You know, how, how do you measure the success and how do you define what it means for this to have worked? Metrics are very important. And the good news is that they're completely trackable in the digital world. It gets a little bit harder to measure accurately when you're talking about uh, companies that have to have a salesperson or a professional touch that deal before it becomes a deal. Because it's not as simple as, well, we attracted this many customers and out of that many customers or out of that many prospects, they actually pushed the buy button and bought something, right? So that's pretty, that's very measurable. This is a little bit less measurable, but but here's how it works. It should be predictable. If we generated X amount, let's say 100 MQLs or marketing qualified leads per month, marketing qualified lead would be defined as somebody that demonstrates digital behavior on our website. So they downloaded a white paper, they read a blog, we sent them a newsletter and they clicked on one of the articles, uh, they signed up for a webinar, all those things, or even they, they clicked on the contact us button, right? All those things are what we call marketing qualified leads. They've demonstrated some form of digital behavior. Now, are those prospects? Not yet. We have to delve in more and see if we can get them what we call sales ready or ready to have a conversation. So the next metric is of those 100 MQLs, how many did I turn into sales accepted leads or what I call, you know, having a conversation, uh, a sales conversation. Upon the result of that sales conversation, I'm either going to reject it, they're not qualified, so it's sales rejected, or they're sales qualified. There's an opportunity here, we're going to go to a proposal and, uh, and run sales process on them through closing or, or losing, right? That's really the only metric that matters. So it's not about how many people brought into you, you brought into your website, although it is important to understand what people are looking at, what blogs did I write that are resonating better than others, what directed more traffic. That's important, but it's a branding metric. Like I said, secondary to actual lead generation. What's important is how many leads did I bring in? Of those leads, 
how many did we turn into sales conversations and how many of those conversations turned into opportunities where we were winning or losing deals. Only then do I know where is appropriate to spend marketing and or sales dollars, right? Because if I'm not generating enough leads, then I know I need to do some more marketing that's going to generate more leads. So what does that look like? I don't know. Could be more advertising, it could be more content generation, it could be more people in your emails, whatever that is, but you can look and see what's having the best effect on generating leads. If I'm getting a lot of leads, and some companies have this problem, right? They're bringing in plenty of people to their website. They're not turning enough of those leads into sales conversations. So maybe I have a sales problem. Do I need to bring in somebody that's on the business development end that understands marketing as well, that can nurture these leads until they're sales ready. Because sometimes, you know, and I'm sure a lot of attorneys have had this experience as well. There are people that start a conversation one, two, three years, and they do nothing. And then all of a sudden, you know, they have a problem that you can solve and they pick up the phone and become a client. I mean, inherent in that answer that this is a long-term kind of engagement. It's not, we're going to put up a commercial and someone's going to buy tomorrow. How committed does a firm or business have to be in terms of time to make a, a content strategy like this work? Well, I mean, that, that's a great question. And my, my answer would be, it, it is a long-term strategy. It will work over the long term. This is a rethinking of marketing. This is not disruptive advertising where I'm going to put an ad in the middle of your content and have you get upset because I was trying to read the post and this pop-up ad came up, right? Disruption is out. Thought leadership, I should say, disruption is out if it is not incredibly pertinent and helpful to my problem. If you disrupt me and I have that problem, that's fine. So how do you identify that I might have that problem, <laughs> right? Again, it goes back to producing content that identifies people that are interested in that. When they click on it, you have an indication that they might have a problem. But this is not a project that you can assign to a marketing department where we can say, okay, we're gonna do content now. You have to treat this like you are running a publication, like a magazine. How regular are we gonna do content? We have to be in touch with our readership. We have to provide stuff that the readers want, not what the advertisers want. If we do that, then we'll build an audience. By building that audience, now I can monetize that in multiple ways, not just sales conversations, but who knows what, what opens up, right? But you have to own the audience and you have to communicate to them with articles that they're going to be interested or they're going to unsubscribe. They don't care. And I want to be able to be clear, this isn't just a matter of building just the content. You should be building your whole digital strategy around this. This isn't, we're going to blog, we're going to do a podcast. It's we're going to use content as the, the core of our, say, our website or, or our entire, everything we do online is going to be about building content to draw an audience, to generate this information, to generate these leads. Is that? That's right. And, and to make the situation even a little more dire, I think a lot of companies don't have another choice. This is it. 
how much training, so when you guys are brought in, do you do any training at all in terms of helping the marketing team, helping the, uh, say, attorneys or salespeople or whoever's going to be ghostwriting some of this content? Do you train them to, to think about the aspects of this that they're not intimately involved with? Meaning working with the attorneys to say, we need you to enter this stuff in the CRM because it only works if we have more information to track these leads and to really build these leads and to work with the marketing folks, to have them say, it's not just about, you know, we have to put this content together to drive all these other things. We need, we need you to think of yourselves more like sales and business development than say design. So the short answer to that is yes. Right. (laughs) The long answer is that this whole process is not easy. It's complicated and it falls apart all over the place. So even if you talk about from the top of the, the process, like creating content, usually, and attorneys are definitely in this boat, you have subject matter experts and you have to extract subject matter experts from their head because they're most likely not gonna write these blogs themselves. Some people are writers and that's great. If they, then they are more power to them. Most people aren't. And so you can't just assign to say, say you have like a 30 person firm and we're going to assign, you know, one blog a month to, to each of those. And then I'll have regular content. It does. It just doesn't work that way because they'll ultimately get busy. They don't have the time and then they don't have the writing expertise. And so we approach content like a journalist would. So I'm going to do an interview. You're the subject matter expert. So you explain it to me in such a way and I put you on camera or do a podcast or, you know, this is a great example of content marketing, right? Uh, podcast, because we're talking about a subject that I'm knowledgeable about. So it's the same thing. And like, you know, attorneys do a lot of speaking and things like that. That's a content strategy. So you ought to think about if you do a presentation or, or a speech like that, how can you record it, transcribe it, turn that into a white paper, uh, you know, how can you re-leverage what you've already built in terms of content? But it's all about subject matter expertise. So that's the first place that it starts breaking down. The second place it starts breaking down is how we lead people into the website and convert them into traffic. It's not enough just to put a blog up there. That's not going to that's not going to do it. People might read it, but you don't know who. We have to convert them into leads. And so that's where it comes into uh, looking for assets like white papers or doing webinars or whatever, where we can identify something where people have to enter their email address in to get that asset or attend the webinar. And then we have an indication that they're, that they're interested. So always have a mechanism to convert traffic, because if you're not doing that, you're missing out on opportunities. But we want to turn them into something that we know who they are now. And then the next place that it gets dropped usually is now we've got leads coming in. What happens now or how do we turn those into sales conversations? And so that takes a whole process as well. Like what content am I going to send them to get them engaged or get them to do a point where they're ready to take a conversation with me? So and then the last place that it that it breaks down is and this usually happens in the sales world, it probably happens in attorneys as well, is that um, people don't 
follow up enough to turn them into a sales ready customer. Cause it used to be like seven touches to equal a sale, right? Well, who now it's, it's unpredictable. It could be 20, it could be a hundred, it could be years, it could be a month. You never know, but you have to keep nurturing them with content. So what are you going to send them? What are you going to further that conversation with? And so this com this, this uh, is a complex system. I think even in the tech companies, the ones that have, you know, business development and inside sales and closers and big CRM systems with marketing automation and they're pumping out content, they still have issues with it, right? You, it's, a, it's not an easy thing to, to figure out. So to, that's the long answer to your question. Yes, we have to diagnose where this is going wrong in the process and help you fix it by bringing the resources to bear that you probably don't have in-house. Which is a great segue. So it's, it's clear that people need to be, almost certainly need to be doing content marketing of some sort in this you know, the sales environment. There's a lot of people that sell content. There's a lot of people that sell parts of the content. A lot of people that sell sort of the whole shebang. Flight Path sells the whole package strategy and content, correct? Mm -hmm. In the process of shopping for or buying content marketing services, you know, what are the questions that, that firms should be asking, whether they're small firms or big firms, as they choose these vendors? What do they need to do to be ready to engage in this kind of way? They need to ensure first and foremost that there is a person on the staff of the agency that they're hiring that understands content strategy, period. I think a lot of agencies have specialties that like they're SEO experts or they're web developers or they're, they're whatever. And that's all fine uh, for project-based work. This is kind of a difference in business strategy and, and go to market. And so first and foremost, you have to have somebody as a content strategist, almost like hiring an editor for your own magazine, right? You need to have somebody that's going to get in touch and understand what the buyer uh, pain points are so that we can develop content and extract subject matter expertise. So usually somebody with a journalism background uh, or something along those lines, not necessarily a marketing background. Uh, that's really important. Should, should firms be looking at this as buying content or are they buying the strategy? They should be buying the strategy. A lot of times they want to buy tactics and if they know what they're doing, that's fine. Most of the times that I've seen, they don't. You know, it, it's difficult as an agency if you come to me and say, you know, we, we want to do content marketing uh, and we want to write a few blogs. Okay, so what's the strategy around that? Uh, well, I don't know. We, we just know we need to put content out there. So that makes it difficult, as opposed to if they come to us and say, well, we know we need to do content marketing and we need to figure it out. Well, it's hard for me to put together a proposal that's going to say, okay, well, we need to do this many white papers and, and this many blog posts. And sometimes we can do that. But, but generally, we have to really understand the content strategy first. Why do people buy from you? Where do they hang out? What kind of audience are we talking about? Only then can I say, okay, well, I think that if you create a white paper as a 
form-based, you know, gated asset that is going to identify some lead intelligence. And then you do, maybe we can do one blog a month and see how that starts working to identify leads. And maybe you should do a webinar next month. And, you know, what do you have time to do? What, uh, where can we get that information? But I can't put that together in a proposal and tell you it's going to be X amount of money. You could spend a lot of money on this. Or you can crawl before you walk or run, right? Uh, which is usually how I recommend uh, companies that are thinking about getting into a, a content strategy. Let's let's crawl. Let's make sure that we have the infrastructure in place. Uh, you know, marketing automation systems, CRM, so that we can send out emails. And then, what kind of regularity can we do? Some blogging, and then what are we going to use as our uh, gated assets to convert traffic? Right? How many emails do you have? If that's small, then just start small. But get started somewhere. Now, <laughs> start putting something out there because a lot of this is trial and error. I don't, there's no magic bullet. I don't, I don't know. Usually we close with a, uh, a few pieces of, of advice, but I think that, that right there seems, seems to, be, to be that point. I mean, I think that's really it. You're gonna ha- there is going to be some trial and error to it. You have to get started now. Um, and you have to give it some time. And a lot of times that's not an inexpensive proposition. And I understand that. And I, and I understand your pain. But I, you know, from a lot of companies, especially those in competitive industries, what other choice do you have? Jason, that was amazing. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio podcast. You're welcome. Uh, and thank you to our listeners who have joined us for this episode. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please leave a review or give us a like. Uh, And remember to subscribe. We can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on Google Play. Extended content, including photographs and links, including to some of the research that Jason uh, talked about, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com. It is just legalmarketing.studio. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss or know someone who might, please send an email to producer at legalmarketing.studio or reach out via the contact page on our website, legalmarketing.studio. The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio focused on the legal industry, based in Brooklyn, New York, and working with clients nationally. If your firm is updating its website, hiring new attorneys, or revamping its brand and marketing materials, give us a call. We'd love to explore collaborative opportunities. More information can be found at picturemorebusiness.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening.